So if you have your Bibles with you and you want to follow along in a few places that we feel the need to read this morning, you can be turning then to the book of Isaiah chapter 9. And also you can turn over to where we'll begin reading in just a few moments in the book of Titus. Chapter 2, we're going to turn in just a minute and start reading there in the book of Titus. And as you're reading in those two places or turning those two places, we'll begin reading in a minute. Have you ever seen a child, and a lot of times this is more prevalent, I guess you would say, in this situation, but a child will open up a gift, they take the gift and they throw it aside, and what do they spend more time playing with? The box and the paper. What is it about the contents, what it's wrapped up in? They're forgetting about the gift itself. And I say that because the person, listen, Let's just change gears. I understand the, uh, the glam and the glimmer, you might say, of, of, of wrapping paper and boxes and gifts. But let's think about the person that was doing the giving. Now, we know that it can happen, but I don't know a giver that gives a gift to another individual hoping they'll get excited about the outer contents and they're not worried about the inner contents. You give a gift because you want them to be more concerned about the gift, not the container or the package it's in. It doesn't always turn out that way, but that's not the intent when you give a gift. The intent is, is that the gift or the outer container is not that important but what's inside of it is. Now we all know what it's like to see a child and, and probably even adults too that they'll get a hold of something and they'll start playing with that and kind of the, the gift itself is one of those things that's uh, kind of laid aside. But what let me ask you this. What is it like when a gift is given, the receiver receives the gift and it truly is something that brings joy to their life? Think about it from a giver's perspective. Now we probably all, let's, let's lay this out there too. We probably all given that gift and the other person opened it and you could tell that's not what they wanted. But they said thank you and they did the polite thing as they should. And they kind of accepted what was there and they went on with it. But what happens on that item that you have given and you can tell they loved it and immediately they went playing with it or used it or put it to use or whatever it is. If, if it's food and they were hungry, they started eating. If they were cold and it was a toboggan, they would put it on. So you can tell when somebody enjoys something they have because they immediately put it to use. And I don't know if you're following with me too long this morning, but what we're going to read in Titus is, is about grace or as the Greek language says, it's a gift of God to us. One of my fears is, is that we get so caught up in the outer container of what salvation is that we forget about the true inner peace that God wants to give mankind. Sometimes we kind of just nod our head and we don't want to apply it. Yeah, when I get around to it, I'm going to take what you've given me, God, and I'm going to put it to use. I pray that when God gives us a gift, that we take it, we're excited about it, and we put it to use. Folks, I want you to understand something this morning. 
Salvation is not something that you get, you put in a pocket, and you hold it until the day God says, it's time for you to leave this world. Your last heartbeat is happening. Your last breath is now happening. I need you to pull that out of your pocket, that you're redeemed and saved and you can go to heaven. Folks, as beneficial, as wonderful as that idea is, we get to experience salvation while on this earth. Do you believe in that? Do you believe that salvation is reserved for death? Or do you believe that we can have salvation and joy that relationship with God while we're alive? This morning, the very thought and the very title I'll give it is playing with the box. How many people today are playing with the box? Instead of taking what God's given them and using it for what He would intend, how many people are playing with the box? They're more concerned about the paper. They're more concerned about uh, the, the outer container instead of the gift that God has given. Let's go to the book of Titus for just a moment. Chapter 2. And let's skip down to the 11th verse. So God has a gift. Now you know that there's nothing more detrimental than a child getting to a place where everybody's got a gift but them. You ever, you ever seen that happen? And I'm not saying intentionally, but unintentionally, somebody gets left out. If you, you Just go to school sometime and watch a kid get their name left out somehow. They're, they're devastated. Why does everybody else have something I don't have? Folks, I'm gonna, I will say this this morning with a very deep conviction. God's grace is not leaving anybody out. God's grace is sufficient for all. God's grace is available to all. So let's read. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared, again, hath appeared to all men. This is the word that we come from charity or love or um, we might even say that God has uh, a gift that he wants to give us. And it says that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Is salvation something possible for every one of us here? Yes. And is it just because that you're right here in this little plot of land? No. And salvation is possible because God has grace that He wants to bestow to everybody. But I pray this morning that you're not more concerned about the box, that you're not playing with the box or the paper, that you're seeing the gift that God has given us. Sometimes we lose out on that and we're losing on the, the, the very idea of what God has given us. For notice what he tells us. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Paul tells us, uh, excuse me, Luke tells us, or the, the writer there in Luke tells us, that for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Folks, I believe that there is something available for all. Now, do I believe that everybody's going to receive that gift or open that gift or that they're going to do these gifts that God has given them? No, that, that's not what's going to happen. But the thing is, it is available. If somebody does not take it or someone does not have that in their life, it's because it's, it's on, on their end or their side of it or their part what they would not do. So this morning, what are you going to do? Some of us even want to look at a gift and sometimes we just want to live in the moment so much that we'll just keep the gift there and let the anxiety and maybe the anticipation and we won't even open up, we'll live there. We'll just kind of leave it there and we'll just save it for another day. Folks, salvation is something that you need today. Salvation 
is not something that, that you need to wait to another day or another moment. It's something to be enjoyed now. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Now, when it means appeared, it just means that it's available to all and they can see it. It's also it's the same word that means like the stars in the sky. You know, it doesn't matter where you're at. In due time, uh, in the rotation of the earth, they're all going to see these same things. Now, they don't mean they're going to see it at the same time. I can tell you right now, there's other people in other part of the, let's just say the other side of the world, the other side of the globe. They're seeing the stars. We don't see them. But in time, we'll see the same stars that they will see. And my point is this is that God reveals different things to us at different times in our life, but we all see the same thing. We see ourselves as sinners in need of a Savior. That's all that matters. If even in a gathering of people like this right here, if we went through and told about the timeline of your life when you got saved, some of you got saved before other people did. I'm talking about the calendar year. Some of you got saved earlier in your life. In other words, what was your age when you got saved? Some of you got it a different time in your life. Maybe there's those that didn't go to church to another time in their life. But still know this, that the grace of God appears, appeared, which is just like the same word as that of the stars, that it has appeared to all men. At some point or another, God will show you the needs you have for grace in your life. For notice, let's keep reading here. For the grace of God hath appeared to all men. Is there a purpose in the grace of God being revealed? Is there a purpose in you receiving this gift? What are you going to do with that gift? You know, if, if, if I was to gift you a jacket on a nice cold day like today, and you laid that jacket down and you went outside and froze, then I would say, I gave you what you needed. Why did you not wear it? Uh, but you see, if God has given us, God wants us to apply what he has given us so that we can fight against the elements of the world. Do you know what the Lord does when he saves us? Uh, let's just keep having teaching here. It says, for teaching us that one of the greatest blessings that we have with God's grace is it is educational you know a lot of times we don't want to learn anymore we've learned all we want to learn we don't want to study anything else but you know what today folks God's grace is always teaching us and you know I've learned something and I believe in this we are always learners every one of us to the teacher, they're the learner. I believe that even the children, that they're learners. The oldest people that roam this earth, they are learners. We are all still learning something. But what are you being taught today? I don't. This may come out wrong, but I'll say this. Are we know-it-alls? Do we know everything that, that we're not worried about the gift? We just want to play with the box. I don't need that gift that's on the inside. I just want to play with this little glittery box because... I don't need what's on the inside. I just want to play with that, which is fun. It's almost like us getting something in bubble wrap, and you know what you do with the bubble wrap, don't you? You just pop it, pop it, pop it, pop it, pop it. Because, but what happens when you pop every one of them, then all of a sudden it's depleted. Folks, what God gives us is not going to run out or end or whatever. Folks, God's going to give us something that's going to last forever. Aren't you thankful today that God's given us something that we need, that teaches us, that is constantly and continually teaching us and what is it teaching us? Well, this is what it's first of all doing. Is denying ungodliness. The world says you don't need God. The world says you don't need the gift that God has given us. He said, no, if you take my grace, you're going to realize the need for me in your life. Folks, 
I can tell you this, you will all be better people if you see your need for Jesus in your life before you leave here today. You may be unsaved, and I pray that God will let you see the need for Jesus in your life. Maybe you're here and saved this morning, and you don't see the need for Christ in your life. I pray that you would see the need for Him. Folks, let's just go ahead and throw this out there. There are people, even right now, of our own acquaintances, that do not see a need for Jesus. I pray that they would see the need in us. For I am not ashamed this morning to tell any of you, I need Jesus. I need that educator. I need that, that, that leadership. I need that guidance. I need that wisdom. I need to understand that there is godliness. In order to deny ungodliness, then you have to understand that there is godliness. Sometimes we feel like there's only one path out there. But you know what? There's a lot of choices in our life. There's godliness and there's ungodliness. We don't like that. We want somebody to make the choice for us. I want to go back to the day in my life when I didn't have to make decisions. I loved it when somebody made those decisions for me and I was just told what to do. But the truth of the matter is, folks, when it comes to godliness and ungodliness, you have a choice this morning. The grace of God appears and God today has given us what we need. What are we going to do with that? Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly Lust. We should live soberly. You know what that means to live soberly, don't you? For a person that's non-sober, we can probably understand that idea is they don't have control of their actions or their words or their deeds. I believe that God is saying that if you take the grace that I give you, you can live a life of control if you'll let me control your life instead of your own fleshly ways. Folks, have you ever seen a person or a situation that is what we would quote out of control? What is it like when something's out of control? You want to talk about something scary? Look at a vehicle going down the road that because of the surface is out of control. Do you know what scary is? They don't control what the outcome's going to be. It's in other words, it's in the hands of God. Folks, aren't you glad today to know that we can live a life under control? Well, I can't help that. It was just too much or I could not overcome that, folks. God is telling us that if you will receive the gift that I've given you and you will take my grace, he said, I will give you a life and I will give you means that you can live a life under control. Denying ungodliness and worldly lust. But he goes on to say that we should live soberly. He goes on to say... To live righteously. So notice what notice the direction that Paul is telling young Titus here. By the way, the young Titus, he's saying, Titus, he said, if you've not experienced these things, or what he's saying is you've experienced a little bit of these things, you're going to experience them even more. He said, please rely on God to give you what you need. That you can live soberly. That you can live righteously. But he goes on to even say, and godly, I hope you're paying attention. You're fixing to read what I'm saying. A gift is not something we've laid up. Remember earlier I said God saves us. We put that in our pocket. When we die, he pulls it out. He says that you can live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Do not tell me it is impossible. 
Folks, it is possible. It's possible with God. It's possible with Christ. It's possible with His Spirit that dwells with us. It is possible. We hear that phrase too much. Well, I just couldn't help it. I couldn't overcome. It was just impossible. The thing is, do we let it be possible? Are we living soberly? Are we living uh, righteously and godly in this present world? But he, he, he kind of gives us a, a focus of things. He said, you're living this life here and now. We talked about how that when we're saved, that we've got this idea that we're going to be safe when we die. For notice what he says, looking for that blessed hope and a glorious appearing of the great God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Notice the anticipation and the excitement and the, and the, uh, the, 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 the looking forward to it. He said, I am looking for that blessed hope. Folks, unsaved people are not looking for the Lord to come. In other words, when I say looking, I don't mean just anticipated. That means they believe it's going to happen. I wonder how could a person truly believe that the Lord's going to come back, but they've not made preparations for it. Folks, that is a dangerous place to be. If you know the Lord's coming back and you believe and you are convicted that there's coming a day that you're going to leave this world and the Lord's going to come back, are you ready for that day? Do you have that guilt that God's given or do you just have it in the presence? Do you just have it there or have you really exposed what's there? But maybe you've, you've been one that God's given it to you and you're just playing with the box. You don't want to open it. You don't really care what's inside of it. You're just consumed with the box or the outer container of it. May we realize the gift that God has given us so that we might live righteously in this present world looking for that blessed hope. The word blessed is the very same word that if you go and read the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about blessed are they. And all the word blessed means is, and I say all it means, one of the truer, the most broad meanings I should say is happiness. You know, to, I, I don't want to, I, I want to say it like this. Go outside in the world today and look at a happiness meter and look at people today and see what you see. People aren't happy. They're not excited about the Lord and what He's done. Now, I know there's a lot of things in life that, that, that really do drag us down and they bog us down. But folks, aren't you happy this morning and rejoicing? Aren't you blessed this morning knowing that man born of woman is but few days and full of sorrow? But we rejoice in the fact that one of these days, folks, we're leaving a world of sorrows and sin behind. We find it in this life, Paul even said, if in this life only... We have hope. We are men most miserable. But aren't you glad to know that we can have a hope in life and we can have a hope in death? Aren't you glad this morning that our joy and happiness is not just reserved for heaven? Here goes this idea again. You preacher, I thought that when we die, that's when we got happy, folks. I believe that we can be blessed right here on this earth. Do you believe in that? Do you believe in happiness, folks? If you've ever been saved, you know what happiness is like. Heaven came down. Now, granted, it was just an earnest payment. But you still got a little of heaven on earth. Heaven came down into your soul. We're not talking about just something. We're talking about someone that has moved in. Someone today, and I'll tell you this, if you've got Jesus, you got happiness. Are you going to let it out? For he says, teaching us, denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should have soberly, righteously, godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, 
Jesus Christ. But he talks about us being blessed. We're happy. We're a happy people, but it also means we are a prosperous people. Matter of fact, let's just go ahead and say, I think we used this, I don't know, last week or the week before. It talks about how that it even means that we are a rich people. Now, preacher, have you, have you seen my checking account? Have you seen the bills of what I've got? Have you seen the debt I'm in? Let me clarify riches. Riches just means that we have someone talking about a king today that we may not have much in this life, but we believe that we have everything we need. We think of people that are rich as far as not needing. Spiritually, we are rich because we have no needs in our life. Name me something a saved person needs. We, don't, we, we need God to help us, but we don't need to be saved anymore. We don't need to get uh, any more saved than what we were yesterday. We're already there. For he said, uh, it teaches us, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. What a blessed hope it is. For he says, not only is it blessed, he said blessed hope, he said, and glorious appearing. Glorious appearing. That's the word we get from where it's like doxology, which means praise. You think you're praising him now? Wait till the day he comes. You get to go be with him. Folks, I believe that there is some praise going on in heaven, but I also believe that he is deserving or he is worthy of praise on this earth. But I'll tell you this, it gets awfully quiet in our lives, don't it? I'm not trying to judge anybody. I'm not trying to say anything. But our lives are awfully quiet. Instead of praising them and adoring, we're afraid if we lift up our holy hands, somebody's going to say, what's wrong with them? We're afraid that if we praise Him and acknowledge His goodness and His kindness, somebody's going to think that we belong to God. Maybe if we was to praise and adore Him, that people would think that we are Christians. And I hope you see the, the, uh, how rhetorical I'm being in the very idea. Folks, I hope that people see that we belong to God. I hope that people do know that we are Christians, that we belong to a King that has saved us and that we have experienced His grace. We're not just playing with the box. We're not just tearing up paper, but we're taking what He's given us and we've applied it to our life where it's something that, that is of value to us that we might be able to, that, that glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Notice what He goes on to say in verse 14. Who gave Himself for us. Folks, we did not make God give us what we needed to have eternal life. He gave it to us. Have you ever seen somebody, you give him that pencil back. You give him those shirt back, those shoes back. You give that jacket back. Or that's his, it belongs to him. Folks, nowhere in the history of time did God say, that, did man look at God and say, give us Jesus. That never happened. Yet it's never happened. And I hope that that's clear here and throughout our lives. That nowhere did man look at God and say, You give us Jesus, folks. He gave us Jesus, not at our command, but because of His love. Because of His love and grace did He give us a gift. And you know what happens? We get caught playing with the box. 
We're worried about the wrapping paper instead of what's inside of it and what He truly wants to give. May we live our life. May we, may we experience God the way that He wants so that He might, as He said, He gave Himself for us. You know, there's a lot of things that Christ has done that we cannot do. And you know what one of those is? We cannot give ourselves for our fellow man to redeem their soul. We cannot do that. You can lay down your life. And what I mean by that is you can, you can give up your life or something about your life so that somebody else can have it, but you cannot do that about the soul. Let me word that a little bit different. I cannot take my salvation, open it up, and hand it to you and say, well, you know what, I'm going to give you what's mine, folks. It's not even possible. But what if you could? I hear people a lot of times say, well, I would do this for my kids. I would do this for my relatives. I don't want to play the what if game. But you want to talk about something really hard? What if you could take your salvation and give it to somebody else? And you had to go to hell. That is a miserable position to be in. And not one that God intends. God never intended for us to be faced with such a situation where we had to give up our salvation. He said, no, I'll give them what you have. Aren't you glad today to know that we do not have to surrender and sacrifice any of our salvation? We can, we can give our food on our plate. I'm hungry, but you're hungry. Fine, I'll give you my food. But you know what? what what's the ramifications of that? What about your soul? <clears throat> and we see here that, that we cannot give what Christ has given us. For he said, who gave himself for us. But why did he do that? That he might redeem us from all iniquity. You know what? The word redeem means to set something free. To pay the required price. Now it's to be set free. Folks, aren't you glad today to know that when we quit playing with the box and we experience salvation, we are free? We're not a shackled people that's, that, that's burdened down with the cares of the world. You know what? Be careful. This world will burden you down. Deadlines will control your life. People will try to infiltrate the ideas and the things that you face. But the truth is, folks, God is the one that sets us free. And there is nothing the world can do to bog us down. We even come up with a title with people. They're just carefree. No, they just trust God. Trusting God that all things are in His power, that all things are within His, His reach, that we might be able to redeem us and to set us free from all of our iniquity and purify unto Himself. Purify, He said, unto Himself. God doesn't want unholiness in His presence. He said, I want holiness. I, I'm not going to judge you, but I want to ask you something. Did you bring any unholiness in here this morning? Now I want to ask you what unholiness is. Anything that's against the holiness of God. Did you leave those things outside? But he says, Who gave himself that we might redeem us from all the iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people. Peculiar doesn't mean that we're odd. It just means we got zeal. I'm going to tell on myself for a little bit. I hear pretty frequently... Man, you just got a lot of energy. It's not that I got a lot of energy. It's just, folks, I don't care how tired I ever am of my body. I always have time to tell people 
about the Lord. There's a zeal that God placed inside of me many years ago. And you know what? I don't know how long the Lord's going to leave me on this earth, but it's a zeal that I want to tell others about what God has done. It's a zeal. And a zeal just means a passion. Zeal is kind of the opposite of bashfulness. Quietness, bashfulness, or uh, something kind of conceited. Zeal just means you don't have to drag it out of me. I want to tell you. Sometimes we get into church, and I, I again, I'm not trying to be judgmental, but it's like you're just pulling and pulling and pulling, saying, God, get it out. Get it out of the hearts of your people so that we'll not sit silent. May we come in excited saying, Lord, I want to let it out. And may we let out what God's given us. Folks, we've contained God too long. We've played with the box too long. Uh, we're, 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 we're tearing into the wrapping paper. We're forgetting about what God's given us. He said, I'm going to give you the grace that is going to allow you to live a life so that you can have some, to be a peculiar, zealous people. You know what? The world needs some peculiar people then. Not peculiar by the definition of the world, man, they're odd and strange, but peculiar by the sense we need people with some zeal in their life. Zeal about God that they don't have to be corralled, excuse me, that they don't have to be encouraged to say that. They just want to say, preacher, can you hush? I've just got to get this off my heart. You don't hear that much anymore. Preacher, I just got to get this off my heart. I got a zeal and desire and I want to do that. And I'm glad people are respectful of the, of the word of the hour. But may we always be free to say, Lord, the things that you have done for me. For he tells us here, who gave us for himself that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify himself. A peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Let's go back and close with the book of Isaiah this morning for just a moment. What has God given us? Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2. If you mark that, we'll start reading in verse 2. The people that walked, do you see the past tense? The change in their life. They walked in darkness and they've seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of, de of death upon them hath the light shined. There is an opportunity. To get out. Thou hast multiplied the nation, and I'd increase the joy. They joy before thee according to the joy in harvest, and men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For thou hast broken the yoke of the burden, and the staff of the shoulder, the rod of the oppressor, and the day of the Midian. For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise, and garments rolled in blood, but this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born. For people that a healthy baby boy, a, a healthy baby born, think about the joy and excitement that it brings. Are we excited about the gift or what the gift gives? For let's follow that just a little bit more. For unto us a child is born. Hospitals are filled full of sadness. If you don't believe me, just, just go to your local hospital. There's a, a huge area that's full of sick people and, and, and people that wishes things were different. But there's one small little section in the nursery. Love it. It's where people are excited about life. Maybe in the midst of all the death, there are people that are experiencing life. Aren't you glad to know that in a world that 
is surrounded by death and sin and sorrow and darkness and storms, that we've got the light and the gift of Jesus. A gift that not is meant to be set there and looked upon, but a gift that's meant to be applied. <clears throat> For unto us a child is born. Well, you want to talk about an obligation. <laughs> you want to talk about some responsibility. This gift is for you. It's not just for, for us or mankind or bad people. It's for you. That's who this gift of God is. For to us, a child is born. A son is given. You want to talk about the, the, the divinity of God. You're talking about God in the flesh and, and God in, in, in His incarnate. Look at what He says. Uh, for, um, for a child is born, a son is given. But I want to skip on down just a little bit more. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. Now, sometimes our government doesn't always go the way we want. And not everybody's going to be happy. But you know what I believe? I believe the work that Jesus has done has made God happy. And I believe he can make you happy too. I believe that there's one that can rule in our life. And it says his name shall be called. Wonderful. That's where we're going to praise him. Counselor. That's who he is for us. The mighty God. He's a person. The mighty God. The everlasting Father. You know what a father does for his children, don't he? He takes care of them. I told you the story growing up where I'm... Especially when I had older brothers and their friends were around. If I was ever in trouble, I'd run to my father. I didn't have to do anything. I'd just get in his presence. And it was almost like there was a shield. And they wouldn't run in that room bothering me. My father got sick, passed away. Luckily, I was an adult by then. But if I was a child, and all of a sudden, I wouldn't have had that person to run to. Folks, aren't you glad today to know that no matter how much evil befalls upon us, that we will always have an everlasting father. Always an everlasting father. And he goes on to say, the ever, excuse me, the everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. The only peace that we can have in life comes through Jesus Christ. You can read about that in 1 Peter. But you know what today? The only way you're ever going to have peace with God is to have that experience with Jesus Christ. So today, are you playing with the box? God's given it to us. I, there's not a person here that can say, well, preacher, can you tell me if God wants me to be saved? I can tell you right now, Yes. It's not his will that any would perish. He wants every person to be saved. But they have it. But they don't apply it. This morning, where do you stand? God bless you. I want us to get a song this morning if we could.